Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast or the Geocache Adventures Facebook page, or share it with somebody that you think would enjoy it. Word of mouth is a great way to spread the podcast. You can also join Geocache Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee. Just follow Geo Adventures. That's one word: G E O Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee and get behind the scenes on every episode or become a member to unlock other exclusive content. Hi everybody, Amy Shadow Dragon One here and with me today is fellow cashier Jay Kennedy, aka Land Monkey, aka YouTube vlogger, author and co-host of Caching in the Northwest. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast. So, to start off, I always love to hear how did you start geocaching? How did we start geocaching? <laughs> um, so uh, I'm a lifelong hiker, backpacker, outdoors enthusiast, um, as is Mrs. Land Monkey. And uh, back around 2012, we fin finally decided that uh, it would be wise if we had a GPSR when we're out in the outback of British Columbia, hiking in the mountains. And when we purchased it, um, there's a, a little, we purchased a Garmin and there's a little note in there um, from geocaching.com and a friend of ours, uh, had tried out the, uh, the game as well and told us more about it and encouraged us to give it a try. We went out with her and, and tried it once or twice and we we're kind of instantly hooked. So <laughs> we really haven't looked back. <laughs> so if you're an avid hiker, I'm going to guess that somehow plays into the land monkey name there. Well, yeah, well, it's, it, it throws people off a little bit because it's, there's no D in the name at all. It's L-A-N oh. monkey. And, uh, it's, it's actually an old work nickname from one of my original jobs. When I first started, uh, out of, uh, post-secondary, uh, working, I was the local area network monkey. I was the guy who was climbing oh. up ladders and pulling cables through the ceilings. So, okay. I get you now. <laughs> so when we started the game, it's like, oh, you have to have a nickname. Uh, I don't know. This is what people call me at work. Sure. Let's try that. So there you go. That works. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it did throw me off because the entire time I swear they had been saying land with a D. It just it's, goes to show you, you hear yeah. what you it's like seeing things, your brain just kind of triggers towards what you're familiar with. And it's like song lyrics. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you just yes. hear the words you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about earth caches today. And great. I you love have, earth caches. <laughs> I am so glad you're excited about this because I have had trouble finding somebody to come on here and talk about earth caches with me. So I'm excited about this too. Oh, what is wrong with people? Amy? I don't it's know. It's the best kind of cache. <laughs> well, let's start the very basics. What is an earth cache? Absolutely. So uh, an earth cache, the simplest way to explain it is that it is a type of virtual cache. So there's no physical container. So assuming your listeners are familiar with the game itself, um, and you know, generally you would be out there looking for a hidden container of some sort. Well, there's no physical container at all. Um, so much like a virtual cache. The difference is that um, the intent of an earth cache is to actually teach a simple geology or earth science lesson. So there will, in the description of the earth cache, be a, uh, as I said, a simple, very clear, well-written um, lesson in geology or earth science that is to be learned. Um, observations uh, are to be made at the location that you're given. Uh, and then some questions are posed based on those observations and based on the lessons. You submit the answers. And that allows you some, uh, to claim your find, and uh, that's that's kind of in a in a nutshell. It's uh, read, observe, answer, then log is how I always like to sum up an Earth cache. That's great. Now you said a key word there: simple lesson. Hmm. And I've got to tell you, I have seen a few Earth caches that I feel like I need a master's in geology <laughs> to even try to attempt doing. They yeah. seem so complex sometimes. I think we'll get into that when we talk about how to create earth caches, but you're absolutely right. And that's one of the things 
that puts people off earth caches. And I, and I get that for sure. Um, Mrs. Land Monkey says, Hey, if I feel like I have to go back to school, then I'm going to pass. I'm going to go do something else. You can do this. Um, now that said, she solved some very complex puzzles that I'm like, nah, nah, I'm not, I'm not putting time into that. So, uh, it's a great partnership. Um, but you're right. Uh, the intent is that it is supposed to teach, uh, people. It is supposed to be, um, approachable it's it's not supposed to put you off and 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 have you look at and go oh my gosh i i just don't even want to go near this thing so you know like anything in the game there's varying levels well put yes well put (laughs) so how did these caches get started Wow, great question. Uh, Earth caches, uh, as I understand it, and I've been doing a little bit of research on this recently um, for a project I'm working on, um, but they started as a partnership in some discussions between Geocaching HQ, uh, the U.S. National Parks, and the Geological Society of America. Uh, They held some meetings, and the reason they were having those meetings is because they wanted to find ways for people to geocache responsibly in the national parks. And that was, there was concern from the national parks of, we don't necessarily want people going in and tearing up trees and, you know, poking around in geysers and and what have you, Uh, you know, choose your national park of preference. Um, They wanted people to be safe. uh, And they also wanted to preserve the national park experience for everyone else. So, um, so they collaboratively came up with this idea, um, kind of playing off of the virtual cache um, concept came up with, uh, the, the earth caches and, uh, they've, they, they were quite successful. The very first one, uh, was placed in, uh, New South Wales, Australia. Surprisingly, you would think, oh, it would be somewhere in the U S since those are the people who were coming up with it. But the very first, uh, one, uh, GC, uh, hotel Fox trot tango Two. Well, that's a lot of dances in that. Uh, <laughs> that is a lot of dances. <laughs> um, that's the very first one. And that one is, uh, it's called Earth Cash One, appropriately. Uh, it's uh, it's a, uh, a walkabout uh, geology tour in Wasp Head. Um, and uh, it was placed by uh, GeoAware, the very first Earth Cash reviewer. Now, it is really interesting that, as you said, it was the Geological Society of America that got behind this and but the very first one is placed in Australia. There's an interesting story behind that and I can't remember the details so I'm not going to try and retell it but uh, okay. Um I I believe if you if you do some research online uh your listeners they'll they'll probably come across uh the story behind that one. Um there's some great uh, great people from the GSA who've done a lot of uh public speaking in various venues. Uh, and a lot of writing for earth caching. So you, there's lots of information out there to find. So we've talked a bit about finding earth caches. Yes. How do you create an earth cache though? This seems a lot harder than just your traditional geocache, sticking it on a guardrail under a lamppost. There's a bit more to it than that. So can you tell us about that process? Yeah, yeah. You hire a geologist, and uh, then oh, you... <laughs> that's where I went wrong. <laughs> no, uh, well, and again, right? This goes back to your comment earlier about the accessibility uh, of the, and and not just the physical accessibility, but just the mental accessibility of of earth caches, and um, they they really are intended to be approachable and and something that anyone can do. The advice that is commonly given is that they should be written at a grade nine writing and learning level. Now, that's not necessarily intuitive to everybody like, okay, well, what's a grade nine level? It's been probably for a few of us, a few years since we were in grade nine. <laughs> Just a um, couple. <laughs> maybe some folks are lucky and they've got kids who are closer to grade nine so they can make an approximation. But the idea is if you're using technical terminology, define it. Uh, define it early on, um, you know, explain what you're talking about and write it in a, in a manner so that if somebody didn't have that experience, if somebody hadn't picked up that particular textbook that you're getting this information from or the website you're getting this information from, that it is understandable for them so that they'll enjoy the experience. And it's really about an enjoyable learning experience. So they they some of the advice I've been given when I've uh, talked to uh, some of the geo awares, 
GeoWares is what they call the reviewers for EarthCaches. So EarthCaches have their own unique reviewer type called GeoAwares. Um, and, and some of the advice I've been given from them is to really try and keep it to one lesson in the earth cache. Don't try and combine a whole lot of things because it, you, people are just going to get lost, right? Just keep it clear and right. keep it simple. And then it's going to be easier to write for you as well, right? If you're not trying to, you know, explain, well, the, this waterfall is here because of the erosion that created it, but these mountains were formed by this tectonic movement. And then, and then, oh, by the way, did you know how the earth was formed? And so it's like, <laughs> whoa, 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 slow down. So, so you focus on one thing. Um, like I said, try and write it at a, a grade nine writing and, and learning level. And, and it has to have, um, so it has to have an explanation of the science that you're bringing somebody there to see, um, Whatever it is that you're trying to explain has to be observable at the location you provide. Um, and you know, keep the task. You need to have some tasks for people to do so that there's questions that they can answer. Um, keep them clear, simple, and geology related. And that's one of the things that um, I've also heard from uh, GeoAwares is they understand the desire to have a prove you were here question. Um, but they would like, and they will they will be more apt to approve your earth cache if the prove you were here question is related to the uh, geology or earth science lesson that's that's being provided. So you know something unique about that location that's related to the lesson as opposed to how many legs are on the bench on the far corner of the park, right? Like <laughs> don't use that as as a prove you were here question. And I get why. Uh, an earth cache owner would want people to not armchair the earth caches. They want them to have the experience. They want them to learn. They want them to to share the information accurately. But um, that's just one of the things that will um, will help you get your earth cache uh, reviewed and approved. Now, these earth cache reviewers, they yes. are are they partnered with, or do they actually? Uh, trying to think of the right word here. Are they members of the Geological Society or partnered with them in some way to do these reviews? That's a great question. Um, many of them are, but they do not have to be. Um, so they are um, usually, I believe the process is they are recommended by an, a, an existing um, uh, GeoAware, an existing Earth Cache reviewer. So they, they'll be familiar with who seems to be passionate enough about the topic and knowledgeable enough about the the earth caching topics uh, you know geology and earth sciences to be a suitable um new geo aware so uh, they, they don't come up too often i think there's probably new geocache reviewers more often than there are new new geo awares um but every once in a while um there'll, there'll be a new one but i believe <clears throat> i'm sorry there, there does not need to be uh, a direct association or membership with the GSA in order to be a GeoAware. Okay. So one thing that I struggle with when it comes to earth caches is having my son with me. He's in third grade right now. So okay. even if you do hit a ninth grade reading level, it's kind of above He's smart, but he's not Einstein. Yeah, you know, he's, <laughs> he's like most third graders. He loses attention really quick. And these sure. earth caches can be really hard to do. Do you have any tips or have you heard of any tips for trying to do, get kids a bit more interested? Because I can point out a fossil and he thinks that's neat, but then trying yeah. to actually dinosaurs, do the earth right? camp. Yes, cool. dinosaurs are awesome. <laughs> what's a plate tectonic is a whole different kettle of fish. It is. And that's, that's a great question. And it, you know, the answer is of course going to be, it depends. There's going to be some earth caches that either the location or the, the topic of the earth cache is, it's just not going to be relevant for a kid. So like any geocache uh, and more so with earth caches, it's about, do a skim read of the description before you take on the adventure, particularly if you're taking a young kid with you or, or multiple young kids with you or, or adults who have a short yeah. attention span <laughs> um, and, and read through it and say, okay, look, is this going to, is 
A, is this going to take us somewhere interesting? So even if they're not interested in the lesson, is it going to be a really cool location? So, you know, maybe it's going to be to a, a waterfall or a, um, a hanging canyon where um, maybe the, the, um, the lesson itself is of no interest to them, but the location will be interesting. So they'll be busy skipping rocks and, 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 you know, looking around and playing while you're making your observations and, and doing this. So it can work out that way. If you think about where are you going, is this area, and but also is it going to be safe for little kids? So again, you know, read through it, check the terrain rating and the difficulty ratings. And, but mostly I would say read through the, the description and have an, an idea of where it is you're going and, and you'll have to make the assessment of, um, you know, are, are they going to be interested in the topic? And you're right. Often, children under a certain age are not going to be interested in the geology topic unless there's fossils to find. <laughs> and many, many earth caches have that. And those are one of my favorite types for sure. Um, or is it going to be at a location where at least they'll be entertained and they'll, they'll find it interesting just to be there. They don't care about the geology, but they're going to have a good time. That's some great advice on these earth caches. Is there a minimum question requirement in what sense? So when when you're uh, writing your lesson and writing up your questions, I have seen anywhere from three to six questions for an earth cache. Is, is there a minimum requirement for getting it approved that you have to have at least two questions or is a single question acceptable? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to give my favorite answer. It depends. So it depends. <laughs> there, there, there isn't a minimum or maximum number of questions. I think in the sense of maximum, you probably don't want to overdo it because, you know, unless you're really amping up the difficulty level. I have one earth cache that I own where I have asked multiple questions and there's a bit of homework, but I've amped up the difficulty level. So it's intended okay. to be, you know, hey, some people want to hire DT on their earth cache. Well, here's how I make it that possible and still make it realistic. So yeah, it's a higher difficulty rating. So if you want it, you got to do a little more work, but um, there, there isn't a, a minimum. I think, again, the advice that I've been given by the geo awares in, in the conversations I've had with them is that really just as long as the questions pertain to the lesson um, and, and are, and you're able to do answer the questions based on the observations you can make at ground zero. So you could be one question if you'd like, and it's just a, you know, you're, you're making an observation about something. So there's, you know, you're going to a site there's, uh, so let's take the fossil example. Um, and, and so you go to a site and there's a fossil bed and you are explaining how these fossils came to be. And the question, you know, is to have somebody examine the 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 rock because maybe they might not be able to actually find a fossil sometimes that's the case but have them examine you know feel the touch uh, the 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 feel of the rock the um you know how grainy is it etc and then just ask a question about describe the rock at this site and then you can kind of have i guess maybe a second question of why is this the kind of rock where a fossil would be found and you know it's fairly simple if you have it explained in the lesson but then, you know, yes, it'll prove that they were there because they're going to describe what they saw and it should match. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would say as long as the questions are relevant to what you're doing and stay within the difficulty rating that you're trying to achieve with the Earth Cash. Okay. One of the fun things about finding and hiding these, besides getting to see different neat geologies, is there's earth cache achievements that you can complete and get little icons for your geocaching page. Yes. So what can you tell us about these? All right. Well, there's various different ones like anything else in the game, but uh, <laughs> the, the primary ones and probably the ones you're thinking of, and you see them often when people publish their earth caches or on people's profiles are the ones that are actually granted through the Geological Society of America. Those are the earth cache masters and the EarthCache Discover um, uh, series of badges, digital badges that you can earn. Um, the EarthCache Masters are actually a combination of not only 
finding or visiting uh, an earth cache and, and answering the questions correctly and, and logging them. Um, but also you have to create a certain number of earth caches uh, in order to earn the earth cache master. So it's a little more, a little more involved. Um, I think it's, it's a great program, a great system. Uh, and so once you've met the requirements and all the information is actually on the geological society of America uh, website. So you can find all this information there about the masters and discover programs. But once you feel you qualify, you just uh, submit an online form and they'll uh, go, go and check your geocaching.com profile. So don't have your profile hidden because then <laughs> you can't see, but uh, they'll they'll check your profile and say, yep, you qualify. And then they'll grant you a link to uh, to put those on. So that's the, the master's program. And the other is the discover um, where it's really just based on how uh, uh, numbers of earth caches you have found. Okay. So that's those are the ones the official Geological Society of America ones, the prestigious ones, I guess you'd say. <laughs> um, but also through uh, good old Project GC, um, the badge gen function um, does have an Earth Cacher um, uh, badge that you can earn with add-ons to it, including um, the you know the overall. It's based on the overall number of Earth Cache finds. But it has add-ons for FTFs on Earth caches, finding one on Leap Day, um, completing your 81 matrix, your your DT matrix. That's uh, very rare to achieve. I know of a couple of people who've who've done that, and that's quite the achievement. Um, so that's the DT matrix completely out of Earth caches. Earth caches, yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty hardcore. That is pretty. That is a hardcore Earth cacher right there. That's. <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's, as I think everybody knows, there's also um, geocaching.com souvenir uh, every year. There's two days a year. You can earn the International Earth Cache Weekend souvenir, which is uh, a, a great one to add to your collection. Um, and then, you know, there's various challenge caches out there as well. So it's not, you know, a challenge cache doesn't necessarily get you a digital souvenir, but let's see a log a challenge cache and, some of those are on quantities of uh, of earth caches found. Uh, some are on locations where you've found them, countries, counties, states, continents, et cetera. Um, some are on completing either the total or a subset of the, the DT matrix. Uh, some are on finding the oldest earth caches in different locations. There, there's lots of different challenges out there for earth caching. That's pretty neat. You when I personally tend to think of challenges and fizzy grid, I don't necessarily just jump straight to earth caches. <laughs> Not many people do, but like I said, I know of a handful of people who've made that their goal and, you know, good for them. That's pretty, pretty impressive. That's pretty neat. There's a couple in my area and I've done them, but there's not a lot in my particular area. I, I do know if people are looking for them, they can, of course, go to geocaching.com and search by type. Right. But if you're trying to find a place to that would make a good earth cache, obviously you need a lesson, a geology lesson. Yeah. Hopefully something interesting. But yeah. what is a good trying to think of how to word this here. Do you have any advice for somebody wanting to place an earth cache? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I get asked that question quite often, <laughs> even in the local earth caching community here. Um, uh, folks who want to place an earth cache, but they're just, I, I don't know. Um, and, and I get it, right? If you're not really, I'm very passionate about earth sciences and geology and um, it, it's not my career, but it's, uh, it's something that I, I've taken on as a hobby and I've always been interested in. So I have quite a collection of books and taken some, some education on, et cetera. So I have a bit of a background there. Um, so I can look at things and go, ah, okay. I can see what the geology lesson here is, but I, I get that not everybody can. So, um, there's, you know, uh, I've actually previously did a little, um, mini podcast series, uh, five episodes, it's also available on YouTube or, or to, to download a stream called This is Planet Earth, where we actually talk through a number of those things. Um, uh, 
a, a little bit of a, 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 I'll give you a little bit of a scoop. I'm, I'm writing a book on how to earth cash. So um, when that comes out, that will also include a lot of this kind of information as well. But um, one of the things I would say is to um, just be aware of what you're looking at. So you can, it can be anything from um, uh, water reservoirs and, um, so hydrology is an, an area of earth sciences and you can look at what, what are they doing with the groundwater in my community? Like, do they have retention ponds and, uh, and daylighted streams and things like that? And people are like, I don't even know what words he's using, but you know, <laughs> Google, them. Google those words and then understand what it is. And then look in your, your area and, you know, you'd be surprised where you live, how many different options there are, um, of, of different things. A lot of communities, um, have, some sort of mining history uh, in the community. Well, you know, read up a little bit on the mining history of your community. You'll find, oh, well, you know what? Geez, there was a, a you know a coal mine um, over on you know, you know this side of the community. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be abstract about this, um, <laughs> but but you know, and not that you need to send people into the coal mine, but you can explain. Oh, well, this is, there's a coal mine here because of these things. So you, you will have to do a little bit of research, but just kind of, it's about being aware of what, and this is really the intent of earth caches, I believe between um, uh, HQ and the GSA as well, but it's about being aware of the planet that we're living on and that we're playing <laughs> this game in and on and um, using uh, your senses and, and doing a little bit of research, and you'd be amazed what you can what you can find out with a, just a little bit of googling. Um, and and there's some great books as well. So, you know, I, obviously I'm up in well, I shouldn't say obviously, maybe people don't know, but I'm up in <laughs> Southwest British Columbia, and there's a number of great uh, books that have been published up here about the geology of the area. And so I have a number of those books, and I can read through them and go, oh, well, that's cool. I didn't realize that you know this was here. And then so then. It's an opportunity to take somebody to a location and walk them through the, the geology of that location in grade nine uh, comprehension levels. <laughs> did that answer your question? Did I? It did. That really helped a lot. It gave me a lot to think about as well. And I'm thinking a trip to my local library to check up some of the local area history is is in order sometime soon. There you go. I I, I would be delighted to uh, to hear about uh, an earth cache that you uh, decide <laughs> to eventually put out. Well, I, I have actually been wanting to try to do that, but I have been completely stumped as to where to even start trying to find a spot to place one. So that's that gives me a start to try to find one to place one. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. So let's talk a little bit more about the earth cache weekend. How did that get started? What exactly is that all about? So it, I, I might be confusing people because uh, in my usual style, I just insist on calling things not exactly what HQ calls them <laughs> because I find it very entertaining to do that. It is called International Earth Cash Day. It is called um, Day, but it's over a weekend. But so it's over it, a weekend. It drives so me I nuts. It, it really I call does. it Earth Cash Weekend. Um, uh, it, it, used to be, it used to be a single day. And that, uh, that day is uh, an annual day where um, Geocaching HQ, uh, with, which it also happens to be Canadian Thanksgiving quite often uh, on the same day. <laughs> and it, it celebrates the anniversary of the first earth cache that was placed, the one we talked about earlier okay. in, in Australia. And so the idea is originally it was one day and then they expanded it to two days to make it a little little easier for folks to um, to be able to find uh, an earth cache. Because as you as you said, you know, there's not a lot of earth caches necessarily in your area unless you happen to. I'm lucky. I live in an area where there's a lot of people who are passionate about earth caching, so there's a lot of earth caches, which is great. Um, but not everybody has that opportunity. I definitely know that, and so they give you two days so that if you know if you need to travel a bit to to find one, you have that option. But um, so International Earth Cache Day slash weekend, yes, uh, it <laughs> celebrates the. Um, uh, the the anniversary of the first Earth Cache placed, and you earn a unique souvenir each year. It's a different souvenir each year um, for finding an Earth Cache on one of those two days. Um, HQ and the GSA collaborated to to recognize this. Um, it's in order to promote that unique cache type. 
Uh, it also promotes an increased awareness of the ideas behind why that cache type exists. So um, having geocachers more aware and informed about our planet uh, and more aware and informed about, much like CETOs, um, about what's important and what's fragile about our planet. So um, it's it's a it's a great uh, great initiative, and, and maybe folks might even remember um, a couple of years ago now. Gosh, I can't remember how long ago it, was. it might have been in the before times, uh, but uh, <laughs> they had an initiative uh, associated with NASA and the Mars missions called the Planetary Geology. Uh, yes, recall that, yeah. So that was to help us even understand that, you know, a lot of these earth science lessons, these these earth caching lessons that we're learning, they're actually applicable on other planets and and on the moon. So I thought that was a neat, uh, neat angle that they took with that. I I agree. It's it's definitely a different twist to bring light to these unique geocaches in a way that I I doubt most people are thinking the moon or Mars when you're talking about geology, unless you're actually talking about space geology, which is a whole different level. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is a really neat way that they did to partner up and, and do something different with that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I've got to ask, you've teased us a bit about this book that's coming out. Can we Can we get a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, it's um, it's it's under a working title at the moment. So um, uh, I, I'm working. The working title is Earth Caches Are Easy, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, the, I like it. The full like disclosure: it. they're not, but uh, the book is intended to help make them accessible. So it's uh, it, it lays out the concept of what Earth caches are and and how to. Um, you know, how to go about both finding them and, and creating them. Uh, and it also contains a section uh, giving some basics of geology. It's not a textbook. It's not a heavy read. It's very approachable. But um, I was inspired to write it by a program that the GSA used to have, but they've now retired, that was called EarthCache Academy. And it was an online learning program that people could do um, it's not available anymore, unfortunately, but um, that was specifically about earth caches, but would actually walk you through a series of lessons around um, earth caching, or, or sorry, around uh, geology, and, and give you a, a, a very strong, basic understanding of the premises and the, the principles that form uh, the, a, a healthy geological understanding. So it was a fantastic program. And you could earn uh, certificates of achievement by completing the different courses, etc. Um, but uh, I think they they ran out of funding for it, and they just they couldn't achieve enough funding. That's now I'm I'm making an assumption here. I don't know that for sure, but that's my understanding. Um, and so they weren't able to s sustain the program. But I want to fill that void with with my book. So that's really what I'm trying to target. Well, it sounds awesome. Do you have an anticipated launch of your, your published <laughs> date that you're hoping to hit? Oh my gosh. I wish I could do this <laughs> stuff full time, Amy, so that I, oh, could, I get that. <laughs> I, I could just, you know, sit down and focus on it. Uh, it's been a, a work in progress for a year and a half now. Okay. Um, I actually have been working with um, some GeoWares. Uh, gathering information. I've actually been in contact with some folks at HQ as well, making sure that I'm, um, you know, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing it right. Um, I'm hoping that it is going to release in 2023. I just don't, <laughs> I'm not it's, far it's enough along to, to commit down. to a date yeah. yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I look forward to seeing that book come out and hopefully, you know, what? it would be awesome if it came out just in time for international earth care or earth yeah, Earth Cash. I can't talk. My gosh, International <laughs> Earth Cash Day weekend this oh, year. Oh, I, I really hope I have it done well before <laughs> October. I'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. This is this has been very informative on Earth Caches. Awesome. So for cash highlights, you yes. came with two, which is awesome because I don't think. I've ever had an earth cache highlighted before. 
that I can think of. So having two is, is even better. So let's start with the first one. Let's start with your hide GC7V6GC. And that was called Fraser River Plume. Is that correct? The Fraser River Plume. Yes. Okay. What is this? So the, the Fraser River is the main huge river that empties out uh, the part of British in the part of British Columbia where I live into the Salish Sea. And uh, it has uh, quite a amount, quite a large amount of sediment that it moves out, and that creates a really interesting, unique uh, phenomena that you can observe. But you can only really observe it either from way up in the air in a plane. And I've had a number of people who've actually logged it and and successfully logged it from a plane, or more often, people will log it from a BC ferry, which crosses the Fraser River Plume line. Uh, on the the Nanaimo route, and sometimes on the Victoria route, but definitely usually on the Nanaimo route. Okay. And so it's it's a, a terrain five because you need to have a boat or a plane to uh, <laughs> to to log it. Um, Seems like and, a fair rating. And, yeah, and and so it has a, a kind of an interesting, uh, I, I think, an interesting description. And you know, you need to read through it and understand it. And what I ask people to do in there is in their so of course. Like every earth cache, same as a virtual, you know, I, I have questions. I want you to just email me the answers. Please don't, you know, post those answers with your log. But then I do have some things. I ask people post a picture of the of the plume line as you cross it. And I've seen some remarkable pictures. The color distinction is so vivid, um, particularly in the summer of when people cross it, that it's just amazing to see some of the, some people's photos. And then I also ask people in your log, uh, send or include the coordinates you were at when you crossed it because it it moves. It's not always in the same spot. So oh. I put it at sort of an average location. And I tell people like, you're going to have to watch for this on your ferry ride or on your boat ride because you'll, you'll know it when you see it, but you won't <laughs> necessarily hit it at these coordinates, but you got to put it somewhere. Right. So, um, so people have a lot of fun with it. And what's really neat is that I can collect all the coordinates in the logs and I can plot. I've got a spreadsheet where I'm kind of plotting, where does it move to? So where do, oh. are different people crossing the, the plume? So oh, it's really neat. neat. I can see at different times of year where the, 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 the edge of the plume is. So it's a lot of fun that way. Oh, that's neat. So you've got a graph in Excel that's that's showing that? Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. the graph... The graph, it's not really graphed because it's coordinates. So what I do is I just have a spreadsheet of them, but then I plot the coordinates on plot a map. Them. Yeah. And that allows me to to see where the, those would be. Oh, that's awesome. I like that. So I'm guessing, of course, as you said, the time of the year is going to make a difference. But if I had to guess, I would say each season for each year, you're going to have typically probably somewhere around the same variation of change. You would think so, but it's been really interesting because it doesn't always, because there's a lot of other factors that come into play. Now, I don't want to give away the answers to the earth, <laughs> but um, you would think it would be like, oh, in the spring, it'll be here. In the fall, it'll be there. In the summer, it'll be here. But it doesn't exactly work that way. It's quite fascinating. Oh. It's a lot of factors at play. That's really neat. Very cool. Uh, how did you come across that location to put? A, did you just happen to be on the ferry and go, oh, hey, look at that? Yeah, well, I mean, that's where it started. And what's kind of funny is um, we had, uh, Mrs. Monkey and I, we we take the ferry. We've been taking the ferry for years and years and years, basically our whole lives, um, going back and forth to Vancouver Island and the mainland. And, and we had seen this before and we thought, well, that's really cool. What is that? So we had done some research and like, oh, that's what that is. And then it was a, you know, once we started playing geocaching, like that would make a really good earth cache. I'm like, oh, how would we do that? So then took some time to do a little more research. Like, okay, what would you ask questions about? How would you make this an earth cache? I actually consulted with one of the geowares that I know and said, can I do this? Can I do that? And got some, some feedback, which was really helpful. By the way, that's another thing. Geowares are very happy to answer questions and help provide you a little direction. If you've got an idea and you want to say, can I make an earth cache on this topic? And they'll, they'll be able to give you a little more direction. So that's another good tip. Um, okay. 
but yeah, so we had, we had observed it for, and, and, and I can't remember how many more trips back and forth it was like, like, okay, take a measurement here. I'll take, and then we're, <laughs> we're noticing, wow, this really moves. So that's when we decided, okay, we're going to kind of average out where we put the coordinates and we'll tell people, yeah, gotta watch for this. So, so yeah, it was a, it was a, it was neat. quite a process uh, to put it together. A lot of, in, a lot of interesting learning, all the science behind that particular earth cache is very accessible. It's not a really complicated topic, but it's really interesting. That's really cool. So for the second cache highlight, this is one that you found. Yes. And it's GC2Q4WB and it's Devil's Bath Cenotes? Cenote. Cenote. Yes. Okay. It's close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was... Yeah. Gosh, I, I found over 700 earth caches. So it was really hard to pick one because <laughs> I love most of them. And, and so many of them are on unique topics. We found earth caches on you know, waterfalls and caves and mines and fossil beds and beaches and shorelines and volcanoes and landslides and glaciers. There's so many fascinating things, but cenotes are, are a, a rather unique and interesting um, piece of geology uh, for folks who've um, spent some time in um, uh, the Caribbean or uh, Florida has some cenotes. Uh, Cuba has quite a number, um, but but a lot of the Caribbean islands, uh, uh, Mexico, Mexico has a lot of cenotes as well. So um, they may be familiar with what this is, but it's it's basically a bowl shaped um, hole, <laughs> usually filled with water. Um, in the earth, but it's it's quite often very even, very um, very regular in shape. And um, the the one that uh, that I chose, um, the Devil's Bath, is just a really unique location. So, like I said, normally they're in tropical areas, is where people are accustomed to seeing them because of the the large percentage of limestone um, that needs to be there to. Uh, to make the successful okay. uh, formation of a cenote. But um, Upper Vancouver Island has a large exposed area of limestone. And so not a lot of people know this, but in Upper Vancouver Island, quite out in the in the wild, there's this one's quite near a, a community called Port Alice. Um, there is a, what they call karst geology, um, which is the, the limestone-based geology that allows the formation of these things. And um, oh. I, I included a, a link for you as well for a, a little YouTube, a short YouTube video I filmed um, uh, with drone footage of that cenote. Um, it's it's quite remarkable to see it, and it's huge. So uh, when you go there, there's an observation platform. You can go up and and make your observations and and, and take a look, and it's a spectacular thing to see. And then it's really interesting to understand how it was formed. And then I found it quite fascinating to say, wow, something that I had seen when I was in Cuba and, and Florida and, and in the Caribbean and Mexico, and now I'm seeing it way up north here in Canada. Like, wow, I was not expecting that. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And I will definitely link to that video in the show notes for anybody that wants to check it out because it is a neat video. It Thank you. It, this stuff, the geology, a lot of times we just think of it, fossils, earthquakes and stuff, but there's really so much more to it, as you've mentioned earlier. And it gets to be really fascinating when you start to realize that, oh, like the cenote, it's only, you know, it's typically you're supposed to find this in the tropic. Oh, wait a minute. There's one in Canada, but <laughs> that. that Canada does not scream tropics. So. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's interesting how uh, the earth can throw a curveball at us in a scientific form and go, yeah, I'm just going to plop one of these here today. And Exactly. Yeah, it often does. That's, that's part of the fun of earth caches. That's very cool. Is there anything else about earth caches that you want to share with us? think that we should know about i mean you you've had so many adventures with earth caches you're working <laughs> on this book you're i can imagine you have volumes to say about them ah i do well i mentioned um the mini podcast that uh, i had done with uh, with a friend uh, keats 94 um he and i had worked together on that project 
And um, it's it it's a great, you know, five short, well, I guess the videos aren't that short. They're like, you know, half an hour long, but but it really gives you a really great understanding of the topic. So that's something I would suggest people can check out. Um, but uh, I think generally what I would say is try them and and take the time to to read through the descriptions and, and find some that are accessible for you. So, you know, if the first couple that you look at, you're like, ah, I don't even know what these guys are talking about. Fair <laughs> enough, right? Like, as I said off the start, you know, not all geocaches are created equal. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you may find some that are like, oh, hmm, that's not really written for me. Like, and and quite likely, there's a bunch that aren't. But if you just keep your eyes open on them and and just keep looking, particularly when you travel, um, if you know folks are going to get out into a different community or a different state or province or or even a different country. Um, just keep your eyes open. Often there'll be earth caches that are written about a statue um, because they're made out of stone. And so you can go, okay, well, I'm going to go to this statue because I'm going to be in this town center and fine, I'll, I'll take a read through it. And again, maybe you'll read through and go, ah, I'm lost. I don't even know if they're getting that. But maybe you'll, you'll find one where it's like, oh, this base is made out of limestone and this is where it was mined. And they just want me to, you know, touch it and describe what I feel and think, you know, maybe offer my opinion on where this might have been found. And this is the other thing. Um, I'm pretty generous when it comes to not, not every earth cash owner is, but I'm pretty <laughs> generous when it comes to people providing their answers. What I really want to know is, did you try? Did you, right. did you get there? Did you make the observations and you're trying? It doesn't have to be a hundred percent. It's not going back to school. You're not going to get graded. I, honestly, I don't think I've ever revoked uh, a log on one of my earth caches. Nope, that's not true. I did it once when somebody FTF'd one of my earth caches and never sent me answers. Oh. That one, that one, I did pull their log. Okay, that's <laughs> fair. Like, yeah, that's yeah, not right. But but generally, as long as I see somebody sends me an answer and made an attempt, I sometimes I'll say, oh, hey, I see, you know, maybe you didn't quite get this piece that I was trying to communicate. Here's what I think it is. Um, and sometimes I've had a couple of mine where somebody's actually provided me information I didn't know uh, already about uh, about the location because you know I'm, I'm no geologist, so I don't know everything, but uh, it, it's it's fun that way. Now, so when you get uh, people sending you your answers, do you usually message them back and say, all good? Thank I you, try to. Any, okay, you do. I, I try to. Um, I, I usually will get back to people. I might not get back to them right away. Um, as you know, I'm I'm busy uh, out exploring, uh, filming, editing, uh, <laughs> podcasting, writing books, all this stuff. So uh, I try and keep up with it. And, and Mrs. Monkey won't like. So she's like, <laughs> nope, those are yours. You can respond to those. I'll respond to people about puzzles. You respond to them about the Earth Catch. Like, all right. But yeah, I will read through everybody's answers eventually, usually within a week of them getting okay. the answers in, uh, you know, as long as I'm not, you know, out in the mountains somewhere where I don't have any data, but um, I'll get back to people as soon as I can. And, and I'll let them know like, Hey, great answers or, you know, go ahead. And they've, they've logged already, right? People will submit their answers and then log it. And I'm fine with that. That, that does bring up a good topic about etiquette for, Earth caches and virtuals both because mm. I most of the earth caches and virtuals I've done, I've never gotten a response back. Oh wow. From a CO. Like there's there's several I've done. Okay, granted, it's not I've not not that I've done that many of each, <laughs> but <laughs> I would say about 50% of the two types that I have done, I have never received any kind of response back from the CEO, I will log the fine and send the, my answers to the person and see if somebody sends back. But I, I actually saw somebody question on Facebook. Are you supposed to wait until you get the okay from the CEO or just log it? In, yeah, in theory, you're supposed to wait until you get the okay, but I, it is incredibly rare that somebody will do that. And what you'll see is largely in the descriptions, uh, people will say, send your answers, log your find. If there's a problem, I'll get back to you. 
and and as Earthcash owners, in ninety five percent of Earthcash owners I've interacted with out of the you know seven hundred plus that I've done, um, people are fine with that. Of send the answers and then log your find. And as long as they're you know the answers were sent, same with virtuals. As long as the answers were sent, most of them are like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, not everybody gets back to me. Most do, I find in my own experience, but um, you know, your mileage may vary as they say. <laughs> okay, good, good to know. Yeah, that's I've seen several that say, you know, like you said, log it, I'll let you know if there's an issue. But I I've had a few times that it doesn't say that on the description. You just never hear anything back. It's like, right. well, I Yes, I'm good. So, <laughs> what else are you gonna do, Amy? <laughs> well, Jay, thank you so much for for coming on here with me and talking Earth caches. It's been fun. It's been informative. I've learned quite a bit myself about awesome. these. Thank you so much for doing this with me tonight. Well, thank you for inviting me on the Geocache Adventures podcast. Uh, it's been my pleasure to be a guest here, and. Uh, I'm always excited and happy to talk about earth caching. You've been listening to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One. If you'd like to get in touch, you can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or go to geocacheadventures.org and you can find the information on the contact page. Theme music is by The Travel Bugs. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and pictures all submitted by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself, and I love it. My favorite part is the little snippets on the edges of the articles on all the different pages. Those are my favorites. Just go to ftfgeo.com to check them out and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. 